You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Footloose and Fear Free. Enjoy. We're going to start something. We'll see how far we get. We're talking about the righteousness that God has given us, and the title of the message is Footloose and Fear Free. Footloose and Fear Free. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it was not a religious ceremony. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, no small thing happened. But if you don't realize what you've done, you can miss out on the benefits of it. See, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God gave you his righteousness. Before we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we didn't have God's righteousness. We were sinners. Our spirits were separated from him. But before you and I were born, Jesus came, didn't he? And God uh, led him to the cross. And on that cross, God the Father made his son your sin. This is what the scriptures teach. God made Jesus sin on the cross and Jesus became your substitute. So here you are 2,000 later as you realize how much God loves you and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and God, because of what his son already did for you, gives you his righteousness and makes your dead spirit alive. By dead spirit, I don't mean it wasn't existing. I mean that it was separate from the life of God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your dead spirit was made alive and brought into union with God's spirit. Knowing the righteousness you've been given and growing in the knowledge of it will set you free from fear forever. It will liberate you from every dark bondage. Knowing and understanding the righteousness that God has given you. Most Christians do not know what I'm sharing with you. You'll hear many Christians say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's because they're ignorant of the true gospel. They're ignorant of what took place when they put their faith in Christ. Yes, all of us were sinners. Absolutely. We've all missed it. We've all failed. But once you put your faith in Christ, you go from being a sinner to a saint immediately. Did he really say that? Yeah. See, I was told when I was growing up, saints were these statues we had on our shelves. And and that this special group of people had to meet and and come come to a conclusion that so-and-so was worthy of being a saint. And then I started reading the Bible at age 19 And I saw that anyone who believed in Christ was a saint. And I thought, what? What? I am a saint, Saint Joseph? Yeah. God gave you his righteousness. He didn't give you a backup righteousness or a righteousness for earth that's different when you get to heaven. He gave you his righteousness. You are now a saint. So the proper way to say that was, I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace through faith, and now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. This might be considered blasphemy in some religious circles, 
but it's true anyway. This is the heart of the gospel. God made his son your sin, and through simple faith in him, he gives you his righteousness. But this, by and large, has not been preached near enough. And many don't see the connection between the knowledge of the righteousness you've been given and your health. Righteousness has kind of been given this like religious idea and it's put off on a shelf like, okay, we're, I guess we're forgiven and righteous, but now I've got to kind of just get through life until I get to heaven. No, the, the righteousness you've been given will make you whole if you understand it. It will begin to permeate every dimension of your being. Spirit, soul, and body. It will ooze into your financial life if you'll let it. And in get-togethers this past week, woo, we had a great Bible study. I'll make yourself available. Get to those get-togethers. But we learned that Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he gave us the key to experiencing the blessings of God. And many have missed it because they don't understand what he said. This is what Jesus said. He said, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is the key for God to add unto you all of the things he desires to add. Amen. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But what does that mean? How do I do that? Many have turned this, religion has turned this into a project you can't complete. It has. It's a never-ending project that will wear you out. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness does not mean, does N-O-T not mean, that we try and earn it by doing better. It doesn't mean the more I read my Bible, the more righteous I am. I, did a pastor just say that? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean the more I pray, the more righteous I am. It doesn't mean the more I go to church, the more righteous I am. It doesn't mean the less I swear, the more righteous I am. You gotta, I'm, we're going to get free. Amen. We're going to walk in the liberty of Christ. Stay with me. The righteousness that Jesus is talking about is God's righteousness. It's a gift. You cannot earn a gift. If you can, it's not a gift. Right? So how do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? By, first of all, putting our faith in who Jesus is, what he's already done for us, and then determining that we're going to grow in the knowledge of this, that this is now a priority in my life. This is numero uno to me. I'm putting my faith in him on a 24-7 basis, and I am determined the chief priority of my life is to grow in the knowledge of who he is, what he's done for me, and who I am in him. Amen. This is how you seek first the kingdom. It's a whole different concept, isn't it? 
than trying to say all my prayers, trying to do a bunch of good deeds. And righteousness, listen to this, righteousness is not a behavior. It's a nature. When you grow in the knowledge of the righteousness you've been given, it will produce behavior. Now, there are different times in my walk with the Lord. I'm in my 30th year of walking with Him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Just get warmed up. The Holy Spirit revealed to me on several times that I was becoming more stressed than I was before I knew the Lord. That's the opposite of what should happen. That's the exact opposite of the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because Christian, in fact, there were times in my Christian walk, I became so concerned about every thought I had. I was trying to police every thought. I was trying, come on over, sweetie. Are those oranges? I had a, a clementine this morning. I might grab one of those. Those look kind of fresh. Yeah, there are times I tried to police every thought in my mind. You know how hard that is? It is exhausting. There are times I tried to police every step I took to try and please God more. And I got so worn out. It didn't happen in a day, but over time, and the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? Do you remember how, how happy you were when you first came to know me? See, before I knew the Lord, I really wasn't concerned. I was a fool. But I wasn't concerned about doing what was right. I didn't really even know. Well, you, you, you know what's right, but I just, it wasn't on my agenda to try and do everything right and police every thought. And had I not come to know Christ when I did, I probably would have been dead before age 25. But Jesus, when I first came to Jesus, I mean, I got delivered from all the things that, that, that plagued me. I got set free. And I came into a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. But there were times as the years went. See, Satan has schemes, doesn't he? He has strategies. Christianity is not a sobriety test. Amen. <laughs> but that's what religion turns it into. Christianity is joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what it is. But Satan tries to steal your joy from you. Why does he try and take our joy? <laughs> Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, Satan can't do whatever he wants to in your life. You know that, right? If he could, we'd all be dead. So what he's got to try and do is deceive you. Not by putting a mustache on or some fake glasses, but by putting some thoughts your way, sending some ideas your way, that to, to try and get you to believe things about God and about yourself that aren't true. There will be truth mixed in with the thoughts that he sends your way. He'll, there'll, there'll be sometimes some scriptures in them. He uses the scriptures. Did you know Satan uses the Bible? It's true. We see it in Jesus' ministry when Satan tried to tempt him before he began his ministry, right? 
So the, why does Satan put some scriptures in there and throw some truth in there when, when he tries to steal your joy? That's the bait. Because if it was just something ridiculous, we wouldn't even entertain it, right? So he'll put a scripture in there. And then he'll try and, try and twist that around and make you feel a certain way and feel condemned. And before you know it, you've been meditating on what he's been telling you and on these thoughts. And if you're not, if you're not wise to his schemes, you can go weeks and months and years. And those thoughts, those things that began as thoughts have become beliefs now. And now you're in bondage and you're looking at God and thinking things about God that aren't true and thinking things about yourself that aren't true. And what ends up happening, if you're wrong believing, if you're believing things about God and yourself that aren't true, you're shutting the door to what God desires to do in your life. God didn't shut the door. You did when you chose to believe the things you chose to believe. This is why religion is so deadly. This is why we need Jesus and nothing but Jesus. So if I want to know God the Father, I want to know the true nature of God, I've got to study Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, first five books of the New Testament, because that's the exact nature of God. That's God in the flesh. I can't go by what a pastor tells me. I can't go by what a religious leader tells me or by what a, a professional tells me. I need to study him for myself because there's no pastor with me in my living room. Well, there is with me, my wife, but. <laughs> in other words, you're the one living your own life. You've got to know Jesus for yourself. Is he a healer or isn't he? Is it his will for you to be sick? <laughs> no, it is not. Why are so many believers told that? That God put this sickness in your life to teach you something. Who would ever believe something like that? Someone who is ignorant of the true nature of God the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. See, Satan knows the power of God's righteousness. There's no doubt in his mind what the righteousness of God can accomplish. It's very clear to him. But he doesn't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to know you have it. That you're righteous right now. As clean and as righteous as God is righteous. This is what the gospel is. This might be foreign to your ears, but it's the gospel anyway. Let's look in Romans chapter 5. Let's read about this righteousness. Romans chapter 5. The more I grow in the knowledge of this, I, I think, you know, I don't know if there's anything more important in our walk with the Lord than growing in the knowledge of our righteousness. And what it really means in daily life. It's not some pious ticket to heaven. It's a power it's a nature that can't be defeated. Right. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's start there. But God commendeth his love toward us. His what? Love. Not his wrath. His love. Okay. His love. L-O-V-E. Come on now, King Cole. Where's Corinne? L, is she here this morning? It's for the way you look at me. 
Oh. What's 04? No. Only one? You got it, Dan. Go ahead. L-O-V-E. Love. He commended his love toward us in that while we were, past tense, right? We were yet sinners. What did Christ do? Shake his head at us and say, you lousy failures. No, he died for us. What love? That you would die for your enemy? Much more than. So if he did this when we were sinners, he expressed love to the max to us. Look what verse 9 says. Much more than being now justified. Not when I get to heaven. At this moment, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If I would have known this, I wouldn't have allowed myself to, to become such an um, uptight Christian in certain times of my life. So concerned about, did I do that right? Did I do this right? I didn't understand what I'm reading to you now. Isaiah 54, stay there in Romans, verses 9 and 10. God is prophesying of this new covenant. And he said, it's, it's like the days of Noah to me. I've sworn that, that, I, that when I swore the waters will never cover the earth again. He says, I, I'm swearing that I will never be angry with you again. You can read it for yourself in Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. He says, the mountains will be removed, the hills may be shaken, but my loving kindness will never be removed from you. And my covenant of shalom, of wholeness, will never be taken from you. It was prophetic. It's what we have now in Christ. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being, sa- being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, this Christian life is, is joy unspeakable. It's much more. There's nothing better than walking with Jesus. There's nothing even comes close to knowing him. Nothing. But the devil has tried to rob so many of this great joy. Hallelujah. Are we in verse 11? Let's go to verse 11. I didn't skip 10, did I? Did I skip 10? Okay. Verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy. We joy. We don't worry and stress in God. If, if you're becoming stressed in your relationship with God, it's because you don't understand what he's already done for you. Can you imagine if we discipline a child when they're learning to walk? You know how little ones start to walk, right? First they can pull themselves up on the couch, and then they try and take a step, but, but it's not pretty, right? <laughs> they look like they've, uh, you know, they're kind of maybe had a fifth of, of, of Jim Beam or something. I don't know, right? They're kind of stumbling all over the point, walking around, right? <laughs> but a little one doesn't know how to walk. They have to learn. How, what do you do? You laugh, you clap, you say, come here. You encourage them, they fall, you pick them up. We do that, and we're just people. How much more does God do that with us in our walk with him? If you fall and make a mistake, we all do it. Yes, we do. God's right there with his arms out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, get up, pick you up. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, you can do this. Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
He wants you to be happy. He wants you to get up and put one foot in front of the other. Right? Just put one in front of the other. Soon you'll be walking out the door. It's from a Christmas special. Is that Rudolph? No. Santa Claus coming to town. I don't know. Okay. Where'd we stop? (laughs) Joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. When did we receive it? It's ours. When we get to heaven? No. Now. It's yours now. Wow. Now look at this in the message translation. Verse 8. But God put his love on the line for us. (laughs) Offering his son. The only son he had. He didn't have another one. So there really wasn't a plan B, was there? That's risky. You give everything you've got and there's no plan B? He was sure of his love, that his love would not fail. God put a seed. There's no, when you, when you, the love of God can't fail. It removes the risk. Man, oh man. We need to revelate. Give us a revelation, Holy Spirit, of your love and what you've given us. He put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while, we're, while we were of no use whatever to him. We did nothing to deserve what he did. We were separated from him. We were enemies to God. But he did it anyway. Verse 9. Now that we are set right with God. When? Right now. You're set right with God. How? By means of the sacrificial death. Whose sacrificial death? Jesus. Right? The, the consummate blood sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to keep offering sacrifices. But Jesus was the consummate sacrifice. Once for all. Right? Hebrews. There is no longer a question. There should not be a question in your mind of you being at odds with God in any way. Wow. We got to change the way we think. Right? There shouldn't even be a trace of a question in your thinking that, that, that would cause you to think you're at odds with God in any way. This is powerful. Verse 10. If when we were, past tense, at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, now that we're redeemed, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Take the focus of off how well you think you're doing and put it on the resurrection life of Christ inside of you. 
now that we have actually received, that's right now, it's past tense, we've got it, right? We have actually received this amazing friendship with God. I love this. We are no longer content to simply say it in plotting prose. We sing and we shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. I mean, I've heard criticism of people coming to a church saying, oh, it's, it's loud there. They shout. Can you imagine the volume in heaven? You've got myriads, I don't know, trillions of angels shouting at the top of their lungs in addition to all those who have been saved. I mean, you want to talk about a, a joyful noise. But I'm not going to wait. No. Jesus! Thank you! Yes! Yes! Now, let's, let's stay in Romans, but let's go back to, uh, well, let's go forward, actually. Let's go forward to verse 15. If you win the lottery, I want to see how quiet you are. Oh, I did. $123 million. Thank you. You hypocrite, you. And you want to come to church and be silent? You've received eternal redemption from God, the creator of the universe, and you can't open up your mouth and say, thank you! Woo, something's wrong with that thinking. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the lottery. It's not like the offense. This is better than the lottery, I'll tell you that for sure. There's no chance involved, it's yours. And it's worth infinitely more than any lottery. But the free gift, what is it? Your righteousness is a gift. It's a free gift. If you had to pay for your gift, it couldn't be a gift, right? By the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, look, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Who is that? Adam, right? For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in what? Justification. If you're justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned justified okay so don't let satan use your past against you what are we on verse 16 or verse 17 for if by one man's offense who's that one man adam death reign i think the weymouth said death seized the sovereignty through the one much more so we're seeing life is greater than death. Righteousness is greater than condemnation, right? Much more. Those who pray 37 prayers a day. Oh, wait. You got the right translation up there? Those who, those who read seven chapters a day. 
What translation is that? New King James. Okay. Well, let's read that one then. <laughs> uh, let's see. Much more. Those who receive abundance of grace. What kind of position are you in when you're receiving something? Right? Your arms are open. You're, 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 you're not the one giving it. You're not the one who did it. Right? Receiving is a passive position in some ways. It can be very proactive too. In other words, this is not something I did or I could ever do. It's something he did for me and I'm receiving it from him. Wow. For the judgment which came from one offense, the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. All right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I jumped back. Let's, let's stay on verse 17. Receive the abundance of grace and of the gift, there it is again, of righteousness. So why would we ever think that seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is about me doing better? And I've been in churches that have a long list of things you need to do to be more righteous. And it doesn't work ever. Ever. Because it's a gift. He gave you his righteousness. Okay? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life over who? Satan. Every devil. Every sickness, every disease, everything that's contrary to the Father will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to walk in the authority God's given me, I've got to know that I've been made righteous. And if you want to win any kind of confrontation with the devil, you better know that you're righteous. Because they'll challenge you on that. And you've got to know I'm as clean as Jesus is clean. When I speak, it's like Jesus speaking. So devil, you have to go. See, the devils know this. Demons know this. Spirits of darkness know this. Angels know this. You have to know this, though. That's the one person the devil doesn't want to know this is you. So he can keep stealing from you. We doing okay? Verse 18. Therefore, and I, I love this one. This, this really helped me when I was turning into a sourpuss in my walk with Jesus. There was times where if I had a wrong thought, I'd start fasting. My eyes were turning yellow. <laughs> you got wrong thoughts, you know. Didn't work. Paul talks about this as these things that have the appearance of godliness but lack the power. These religious programs that you you got to pray, you got to confess your sins, you've got to know, you've got to put your faith in Him. Yes. You got to know who you are. This is the verse that helped me. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. That includes you and me, right? Resulting into condemnation. So before we put our faith in Christ, it did not matter how long I prayed. Didn't matter. Didn't matter how many good deeds I did. I was condemned. And I could not change that. No, I could go to every church on the planet every week. 
it wouldn't change it. I was still condemned. So in that same way that we were condemned before Jesus, no matter what we did, even so, through one man's righteous act, who's that one man? Jesus, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. Let me say it plainly for you. If you put your faith in Christ, no matter what you do now, you're righteous. I know this is shocking to religious ears, but it's true. You cannot lose the righteousness God has given you. I'm sure there are some thinking, oh boy, he's on sacred ground now. Before Christ, it didn't matter what you did. You were a sinner. You could have been a Boy Scout, choir boy, whatever. It didn't matter. And we deserved God's punishment and wrath. Every one of us deserved it. But now we've received his righteousness. And if I make a mistake today, that righteousness is still intact. If it depends on how well I do, forget it. I can't have confidence. How can I face a devil if, if, if the righteousness I have depends on my behavior? Boy, the things that have been taught in churches are so ungodly. No wonder people are getting whipped by Satan. They think their righteousness is based on how well they've done. It's not. It's based on how well he did. So if you sin, you do not lose your righteousness. I'm going to say it just like that because I know there's pastors out there that are going to get mad at this one. But I'm going to say it anyway. If you sin, you do not lose your righteousness. I'll say it again. If you sin, Facebook. You do not lose your righteousness. Why? How can I say such a seemingly absurd statement? Because the righteousness you've been given is not a behavior, it's a nature. Stop seeing righteousness as do, do, do. Start seeing it as be, be, be. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And right in the face of a mistake you just made, open up your mouth and say, that's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't behave that way anymore. You make that same mistake again in an hour, you say the same thing again. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't use words like that anymore. You make the same mistake and 10 minutes later, no, that's not who I am. I don't talk like that anymore. I don't do those things anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is what Satan doesn't want you to do. He wants you to go back to trying to fix yourself. It doesn't work. So you've been given a new nature. It's God's nature. God put his nature in you when you put your faith in Jesus. 
So there's been far too much preaching on man's behavior. And, and, and far too little preaching on the new nature that man has been given or is available to them through faith in Christ. Whew, I thought we were going to get farther than this. We're going to keep going a little bit here. How are we doing? Whew. I don't want to rush. We're not in a hurry. Now this is a time. Are we doing it on Facebook? You still there? I know these are touchy things. Because we've heard wrong stuff. We've been, we've been duped. I get mad when I find out I've been taken. Boy, he, he told me that this was going to work. I paid $29.99 for this thing. I watched the whole infomercial. I could have been doing something else. <laughs> that's what religion is an infomercial for the wrong stuff man turn it off change the channel come to Jesus 1 Corinthians 15 I don't put it it's okay we'll stay right there actually we're gonna go we'll go to 2 Corinthians but 1 Corinthians 15 56 says something very shocking it says the power of sin is what? The law. Isn't that shocking? It was to me because I heard a lot of law growing up. It didn't help me. All I knew now is I was breaking it. <laughs> but I didn't have any power to not break it. Right? The power of sin is the law. So now I, I'm really, I, I'm thankful for, for the church in America, for, for the gospel that's been preached in this nation. Amen. But I, I want us to go higher. Because if you'll study the history of the church, just in this region, in Massachusetts, they preached the law. They, they saw behavior in society, they knew it was ungodly, so they preached the law. This is how, and we could say this across America, but let's talk about right here where we're at in New England. And they preached the law with fire. And some people got scared and, and did their best to change. But inevitably, what that will produce as time goes on is a rebellion, is a backlash. And here we are generations later, and we're in one of the places that's considered the least Bible-minded in America. Why? Because what they heard was law, 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 law. And the power of sin is the law. So what, what happens when you preach the law? You produce more sin. You're telling us what we already know. I need to know how to be free from sin. Not that, not that, 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 that what I'm doing is sinful. Now sometimes it's good. Yet there, we do need to hear what sin is. Because we just don't know. Yeah. And we need someone to tell us, you know, this is, this is not right. right. God didn't create you that way. That's, right. that's not how this was designed. Right. That's good and that's different. But you've got to do that in love, right. right? By faith in love, not in a condemning way. Amen. Uh -huh. that's right. Wow. 
So what do we preach if we're not going to preach the law? We preach the reality of our righteousness in Christ. We preach the reality of the new nature we've been given and you can have just by putting your faith in him. So we can tell someone who's just in bondage, you can be changed today. You can be set free today through simple faith in Christ. God already took your sins and put them on his son Jesus. And if you'll just open your heart, he'll give you his righteousness. That's what we can preach. That will not produce a backlash except in hell. That will, that will motivate people who are, what, I can be saved? I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to be in bondage to a substance anymore. I don't have to be in bondage to a habit or, or a way of life anymore. I can be free. Yes, how? Faith in Jesus. Just come to Jesus just like you are. Don't try and clean yourself up. Don't try and clean yourself up. Just get in the tub. Just jump in. Let God love you. Let his love clean you and make you whole. You know, I was hearing some commentary on uh, Billy Graham passing away, and they were talking about all the things he had done, and this was actually, I think it was Kenneth Copeland talking about it, and they said, you know what the religious people used to criticize Billy Graham for? You guys hear that? You know what they criticized him for? This is a good one. The cover on his Bible was red instead of black. <laughs> so there are religious leaders that would, you know, he's preaching from a red Bible. <laughs> Religion is that way. It will always find something you're doing wrong. That's what Jesus said, right? They, they looked at John the Baptist and said, this guy's a freak, right? They look at me and they say, I'm a drunkard and a glutton. Because religion is never happy with the way you live. But God's not looking at a magnifying glass at your life. He's saying, just let me in. Let me love you. Let me love you and reveal myself to you. Let me teach you how valuable you are. How fearfully and wonderfully you've been made. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew knows who had no sin. Who's that? Jesus. To be sin for us. How did he do that? Now, we know Jesus has always been, but he asked his son to come to earth as a man, right? To lay down his glory. That was no small decision. That was no easy thing. He emptied himself of his eternal glory and came into the womb of a virgin and was born in a manger. I, I would think there's probably manure in that manger, wouldn't you? And other stuff, right, that animals do. Here's the king of glory coming out of the womb of a woman in a manger or a cave. God the Father asked him to do that for you. He was made sin, and the epitome of that was on the cross. So that, why did God do this? So that in him you might become, there's that word be, the righteousness of God. Some versions say in Christ. So Jesus did all this so that you today could be made righteous. Righteous. You now have a new 
nature. Let's just say that together. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. I have a new nature. God's nature reigns in me. You should talk like that to yourself. Tell yourself who you are now. Say it right in the face of your mistakes and sins. Say it right in the face of them. And watch them get weaker and weaker. Watch them fall off you. Right in the, right in the face of the, the sinful things you're, you're dealing with or whatever challenge, say it right in the face of it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am free from alcohol. I'm free from drugs. I'm free from pornography. I'm free from cursing and, and any other uh, negative habit. You say it right in the face of it. And guaranteed, if you'll stick with it, that freedom will burst forth. And what used to seem so strong to you will become very weak to you. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? All right, let's, let's close with this last scripture. Romans chapter 6. Ooh, there's so many good things here. All right, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I am so thankful for the book of Romans. Therefore, we have been buried with him. Who's him? Jesus. Through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead, and that was amazing, right? Through the glory of the Father, I don't know what's more amazing, him ra being raised or him raising me. <laughs> so we too. What? So we too might walk today in newness of life. When do we start enjoying this? Today. Not when I get all everything together and I got all my stuff together. Today, I'm walking in newness of life today. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I may not make a mistake, but I've got this. It's inside of me and nothing can take it away from me. God has deposited his new life in me and it's growing stronger and it's coming to the surface more every day. Yes. Verse 6 says, knowing, and boy, is that an important word. Put verse 6 up there. Knowing this, you've got to know this. There can be no question in your mind about this if you want to enjoy it. This can't be a theory to you. This can't be a doctrine to you. It has to be a daily reality. Amen. Knowing this, that our old self, this old self none of us like, that made all the mistakes, that did all the stupid things, that old self, you know who I'm talking about? The wanted poster in your bathroom, right? Your old self was crucified. Woo! With Jesus. 
in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Are you telling me you're free from sin? Yes. You begin to say that I'm free from sin. You can say it right in the face of just doing something stupid. I'm free from this. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Let's keep going. Verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. Knowing, there's that word again. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Look at verse 11. In the same way, you're just like Jesus. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Woo! Amen. We'll stop there for today. Father, thank you for what you've done. Lord, when we were enemies, without hope, you gave your son for us. You loved us. You laid everything on the line for us. And we receive all that you are. Thank you, Father, for giving us your nature, your righteousness. Today, we're free from sin. That old sinning self was crucified with Jesus. This happy, new, redeemed, delivered, free self is footloose and fear free. We're free forever and no one can take that from us. Holy Spirit, I lift up everyone who is here and on Facebook and anyone who might hear this message. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal the truth about the righteousness you have given to them. The righteousness that is available to anyone through simple faith that people would stop trying to fix themselves and simply let you live inside of them. And let the righteousness you've given them rise to the surface. That they'd realize their new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.